Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. The strike may be over, but Wales' dismal run of form continues. And this time it's a loss to the old enemy... In the millennium, 20 points to 10, England running out winners. Uh, this is going to be your start to the week, the cathartic way through it. We're going to help you to uh, to come to terms with the most painful of all defeats. And helping me to do that is the mighty Murph. Good evening, Murph. Evening, buddy. You okay? Yeah, all things considered, I'm all right. You sound terrible. I- <laughs> <laughs> uh. Mate, I was just saying then, I'm relieved to have you back on. I, I, yeah. We've had we've had three three appearances or three shows without you, and yeah. all in quick succession of getting a mention on the socially distanced uh, sports yeah, pod. Well, so the, the uh, phone's been ringing off a hook. Well, that's um... what I thought. <laughs> I could only assume you were either on strike or uh, yeah, Bub- Bubbins was tapping you up for a regular role on there. So it's a relief to have you back. Yeah, uh, uh, it's weird. Um, it, another mate, Glamorgan Wanderer mate of mine was mentioned about a fortnight earlier for a different reason. So um, it's just because of Bubbins had played two stints at our club, basically, mm. and I, I've known him since I was a teenager. So, uh, and if anyone's can remember what he said about me, apparently I made a comment about someone I'd just met, which was very close to the wind, uh, someone I hadn't known very long or yeah. something. I, I'd actually met him that night. I'd met him literally that night, and I just, well, I just went into footage straight away. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an excellent story. If you want to listen to a, uh, to, a, to, a brilliant, to a brilliant podcast, then you'll <laughs> yeah, check, yeah, yeah. Check Switch this off now and go over there. <laughs> um, and something else we can normally rely on during uh, Six Nations weekends is Dan Killick comes out for the big occasion. You know, he manages his game time so that he, uh, he only makes six to seven appearances a year. Well, he's not even bothered tonight. And worse still, he sent along a mate of his... An England fan to join us. So uh, it's uh, with a begrudging congratulations that we say welcome to the podcast to Charlie Kinder. How are you doing, I'm Charlie? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you'll be performing the Matt the Matt Dawson role up here as the pantomime villain. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I could never, I could never say that to someone and mean it. Um, yeah, well, let's let's, uh, let's get your take straight away, Charlie. What did you make of it as a, as a contest yesterday? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, we're, it's, we're talking off air, weren't we? It wasn't pretty. It was one for the purists. Um, it was just a bit of a dogfight, wasn't it? I think 
when England kept the ball and went through the phases, we looked pretty good. It was definitely a step step move on for us in terms of attacking display from Italy. But again, we just kicked far too much ball away. And when we kicked ball away, we looked like we did under Eddie Jones. When we kept the ball, we looked good. Mm. And yeah, I think the same thing for Wales, to be honest. Um, I mean, Jiffy was going absolutely crazy on com saying, why are you kicking the ball to the best best aerial guy in the world? I mean, Freddie Stewart's just going to eat those balls up all day and they kick to him all day. And I just, I just didn't really understand it. And I think this is the problem with a lot of the rugby now. It's so process-driven. They're just literally like robots. I will kick the ball and kick it to him. And they, you can clearly see it wasn't working. I mean, Freddie Stewart is not... Did he drop a ball all day? No. Well, no, I think his, it was nine out of eleven that he took comfortably, and I don't think you know, I don't think the others he knocked on either. Uh, whereas it, on the other, yeah, the other end, um, we made some very soft knock-ons at key at key times as well. There's one from Zamit who I thought actually played very well, all things considered, and one from Halfpenny who's normally safe as houses. But yeah, in terms of the in terms of the kicking contest, that kind of was where the game was won and lost. I think Murph. Yeah. Um... Uh, I've asked around the way since the game and uh, apparently Wales were just looking to stay, in quotes, stay in the arm wrestle mm. and not get caught playing too much rugby. Uh, but the trouble is, you know, like Freddie Stewart has ended up man of the match. It was only about, uh, definitely one, possibly maybe two of the kicks he received that were contestable. Mm. All the other k- kicks he received were uncontested on his own with a nice row of three or four white shirts in front of him so no one could get near him and outside of that he made a scoring pass mm-hmm. he's man of the match that's all you had to do to be man of the match in that game because it was such a such a tiny amount of actual fucking rugby played excuse my French uh, it was a tedious game I, I, I'm glad that Charlie said it was because uh, I felt that way and I thought I was just being biased because <laughs> it was us. But it was a tedious game. I went, uh, as we've covered off here, and I had tedious people around me. The guy, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be... Like, I was on a, <laughs> I was on a club secretary ticket. I was expecting to have all the, the great and the good of club rugby sat around me. I, I had a guy next to me, an England supporter, who let me know he was a Spurs season ticket holder. And like that came across without him telling me, if that makes any sense. And then behind me were the worst group of Welsh fans I've ever had near me. So it, it was a really unpleasurable experience from start to finish. Uh, also, I didn't cover myself in glory by uh, screaming at Owen Farrell every time he was taking a kick. You know, he does that interminable staring at a ball that stood upright on the floor. I, yeah, I genuinely think sometimes he forgets why he's there because he's been staring at the fucking ball so long. And I got, I lost my temper over that. And then I had all everyone kind of looking at me. Like what's this? What's this fucking lunatic doing in the stadium? Kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I left before the final whistle, and I stomped all the way home to my house in Roth instead of going for a pint with my mates, and uh, ordered a takeaway with my wife instead. So that I mean, I must be really fucking down if I did that. Curry or Chinese? Yeah, curry. Yeah, 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 yeah I did. <laughs> Spicy curry last night as well, just to just to try and take the edge off. Right, we have got. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, we've got lots of uh, lots of listeners' questions in to help us through it because God knows I couldn't have prepared a uh, a kind of vaguely uh, vaguely structured show tonight. And let us start with this one. Well, this one from Nathan just says halfpenny question mark. 
which uh, <laughs> is, a, is a very interesting one. We've been talking about the high ball. Let's get your opinion on this as a, um, I suppose, as, as a neutral as you can be, Charlie. Uh, what did you make of Lee Halfpenny's uh, performance and the whole? And I, I think particularly the kind of um, what he offers in attack. What, what What's your assessment of it? It's funny because Dan and I were actually talking about this before the game. And I said, I would have played Zambia at fullback. I think he's got the potential to be one of the best players in the world. I mean, there's no substitute for pace. And I think, I thought we were going to play a real kicking game as we did, but I thought we were going to kick it even more. And I thought if you kick to him loosely and you defend and your D's not tight, he'll rip you to pieces. And Dan made the point of, you know, he's not as good positionally. So I think positionally, Halfpenny's great, but that's all he offers you. I mean, obviously he's a good goal kicker as well, but in terms of attack, I think you need to get the ball in Zamet's hands as often as possible. Even if it meant, as Dan and I were discussing, maybe switching him to full-back or kick Z and then having him on the wing and attack. But I, I just, if Halfpenny is your best option at fullback, I think there's real issues. I mean, I'm glad that Gatlin started to bring a bit of the youth through. I would have probably played even more of them. Um, I just, I, I, he's steady. Um, he's going to kick his goals. He's, he's not going to drop many balls, but he's not going to offer anything. Attack. And I think that's as well as the problem is lack of creativity. Murph? Um, personally, it, it, you know, if if they were going to go with the tactics they use, which is basically kick and clap, if you like, the two best people in the Welsh squad for kick and clap are Liam Williams, because he's the bomb diffuser. He is uh, 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 Freddie Stewart level in the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dan Bigger. Dan Bigger is amazing in the air as well. So that's if we were going to do that, and it was clear from the off that was what I planned, and they're the two I would have picked. Uh, my, I agree with um, Charlie about Rhys-Samit to fullback. Also, Josh Adams, a fullback, is a threat as well. But it, I think putting Rhys-Samit to fullback gives the opposition the chance to run him around a mm-hmm. lot so that when he does get chances, he's a bit... He's got a bit too much mileage in his legs. That's why I, I think he should just be loitering behind everything, waiting to pounce um, and not have too much work, if that makes any sense. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know what the thinking was with leaving Liam Williams out. If, you, if you're playing a kicking game, he, he probably would have regathered some in that game, Liam Williams. So Yeah, and it does give you, you know, you're right, he's excellent under the high ball. And, you know, I don't think he's playing the best rugby of his career, Liam Williams. But at the same time, you know that there is an attacking threat there. You know, he did it in a very poor team performance against Ireland. There were glimpses that showed that he was the one who, you know, could, could at least make a line break. Um, and as, as brilliant a servant as Lee Halfpenny has been over the years and, you know, his, his professionalism is, is second to none. I think he's, there's a case that he's the best goal kicker to have ever taken shots at goal for Wales. And that's saying something. Uh, mm. But... The, the concern is definitely that it doesn't offer you, you know, his recent performances have shown it doesn't offer you a, um, a counter-attacking threat and that's, that's, that's got to be a worry, I think. So, yeah, I, um, I, I do wonder whether that's, that's going to be reflected in team selection later on in the tournament and, and particularly with a view towards the World Cup. Yeah, I, I think if the side was going well, there wouldn't mm. be so much um, scrutiny of everyone. But there's going to be people complaining about Thomas Williams putting in long box kicks all the time but he was acting on instructions and plan so um, there, there'll be a few people who get you know fans being for him to be dropped but well, I'm, I'm glad you've mentioned that 
this one has come from Gareth Webb. Why do we persist with a scrum half who waits for the opposition defence to reset? <laughs> Ireland's, yeah. Ireland's game is based on quick recycling. What is what is Wales's based off? It, it does say his name is Gareth Webb. I don't know if he's <laughs> and is, uh, is, is staking a claim there. But um, again, let's 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 go to you on this one, Charlie. The how do you see that the the kicking game obviously wasn't good, particularly wasn't good from nine. Is that down to individual personnel or is it is it a, a, a team structure thing that he's just carrying out orders? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. He may have been carrying out orders, but Gatland isn't on the pitch, is it? So surely you've got you've got to have players that are going to take ownership. And he just kept doing it. It was clear from the first two or three that it wasn't going to work. So why persist with that? I mean, I personally would have gone with Webb. Um, mm. I think, you know, when he's come on, he's, he's looked really good. And I think he's... He's niggly, he, you know, in a dogfight, he's the sort of player you want. I'm not so sure in a dogfight, which it was always going to be, it's never going to be a pretty game. I'm not sure Thomas Williams is your man in that sort of game. Yeah, I mean, we've we've sung the praises of Thomas Williams at club level a number of times on here, Murph. We're all we're all big fans of him, but it doesn't look he doesn't look the same guy in a red jersey as he does in a blue and black. And no. It's well, the, the, this the question, is... yeah, God, the question is then. Is that down to the structure and the system that he's in? Is it down to he's struggling to get up to that level? Or is it around, about the personnel around him? We said last yeah. week that him and Bigger just didn't seem to gel as a halfback combination. It didn't, no, yeah. it didn't look much better by putting in some fresh blood in Owen Williams. Well, that's the issue. When has he ever played with Owen Williams? Mm. Um, whereas Reese Webb and Dan Bigger have done shed loads of their club and international real career together. Um, as far as like the speed of ball... The thing is with, uh, uh, well, I, I was going to say Ireland, but Italy's attacking shape is yeah. several several miles ahead of ours at the, at the moment. And people are centering on the lack of ball carriers in the Welsh team. There's no mega ball carriers in the Italian team outside of like maybe Negri. There's no, there's no massive front five carries. Or mm. They're just in a good shape. And, and, and specific to Ireland, what, what they do is have options all the time which means you can wrong foot the defence so yep. instead of running into someone who's waiting to smash you off your feet you're constantly wrong footing someone who's having to stretch to tackle you because we haven't got any kind of shape in place where there's an option so if you're running uh, you take the ball off Thomas Williams you're running and, there, and there's Ellis Genge waiting to snap you in half you can't tip it inside or outside because there's no fucker there mm. and that that is the difference that genuinely now I don't think there's much uh, Personnel wise, Italy are not a, not man for man better than us at the moment, are they? No, no, I, I don't. I they, 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 I think it, well, exactly. Well, I, I did say the last time I was on, which was uh, Italy had played against was it Ireland? No, uh, first game up. No, oh, France. Uh, uh, France. Yeah, and they played really well. I said at the time that that is an amazing coaching performance mm. from Kieran Crowley. Because outside of Ange Capuso, there's no world stars in, in that. Capisi might go on to be one. Mm -hmm. But there's no world stars in the Italy side. They are just a well-drilled side. And it doesn't matter who Wales pick. It doesn't matter. It's just got to end up being a well-drilled side who everyone knows where they are all the time. And, and, and even if we, you know, uh, people bemoaning the lack of um, ball carriers in the Welsh side. When we won the Grand Slam, who was the amazing ball carriers in that side? I would say, well, I, I suppose you got... You had younger Falatau and younger Alan Wynn. Uh, you didn't have Falatau, actually. He was injured that season. We had Moriarty, oh, right. well, there Moriarty, you are. We had Moriarty yeah. at eight. Maybe Navidi was involved. He's a good carrier. But, yeah. you know, did, we, we've never been, uh, we've never been uh, blessed with uh, 
I'm trying to reel off names, the Sergio Parise types mm. or, or, or any amazing ball carriers at any stage. It's just we've been more organised and um, it would help to get over the game line and then obviously the ball's naturally quicker then. But if you've got more options or any kind of shape at all, then you've got the opportunity to wrong foot the defence. And the moment we're, we're as predictable as uh, as any side as, as we've ever been. Let's let's hone in on Italy there because we had this one in from Andy who says is Italy's impressive progression this year down to mostly the coach or the system, and I think by that he means you know the kind of the the progression of things like the under twenties and and the way that things seem to be they seem to be producing like you say not necessarily world class stars right now but players who are comfortably international standard. What do you uh, what do you put it down to, Charlie? Well, I think as you alluded to there, the fact that their under twenties have been going well for the last two years, they've obviously got talent coming through. But I, I don't necessarily think it's process or pattern or shape. I just think it's the freedom they've been given the freedom to play from anywhere if it's on. And I think teams have become so robot-like. It's just like when you've got a scrum or a ruck in your own half, it's everyone set up for the box kick, and they're just running it. You know, they're just going from deep. You know, it's just that freedom, freedom to do it, and. I think that, that's the main difference. I have to say, I think Italy are playing the best rugby in the whole tournament in terms of that because, you know, they're hardly box kicking. I think box kicking is, all you're doing is, give, unless it's contestable, as we said, you're just giving the ball back to the opposition. And if you're smart with it, you use that to counter-attack or, or keep possession and, and turn the pressure back on them. So that, that's the main difference for me. It's just that freedom from the coach to say, look, it's on, let's play. And let's believe in ourselves that, we can play from anywhere. And as you said, they've got someone like Ange Capuazzo who, you know, is, is world-class. But I think um, there's a lot of that team that are just playing with confidence. And I think conversely, Wales just aren't playing with any confidence. I, I think the confidence is, is a massive thing. And I mentioned those two knock-ons earlier and they were at key points in the game. I mean, you very rarely see Halfpenny drop a, drop a ball as, as simple as that. Zamet's one was actually very simple as well because it wasn't like all the England kicks were, were were bang on the money. There were some simple ones that that kind of should have been should have been gobbled up, and I think that's symptomatic of the lack of confidence that there is that there is in the side. Merv, how do you how do you remedy that though when you're on the three wins in fifteen and you've got so much political turmoil behind the scenes? Yeah, um, in in normal. It- the political turmoil makes it even more complicated. But in a normal side that's going uh, poorly, you just go, you just get all the basics better. Like mm-hmm. the lineout still creaked. Outside of all the other problems you got, the lineout was still yeah. shite. Um, somehow, um, Ellis Genja con- con- convinced the ref that he had the nudge on Thomas Francis when he he clearly didn't have a nudge. Have, he was just cutting across. I have him. got a couple. Of, I've got a couple of things that I was going to. And look, England were definitely the, the better side. It was a, you know, mm. it wasn't a great game. But I did have a mm. couple of gripes, and this isn't the reason we lost. But I did have a couple of gripes about the ref, and I thought mm. scrummaging again. I thought Ellis Genge did a number on. Yeah, did a number on the ref. I'm not a, a wonderful player though he is in the loose. I'm not convinced he particularly likes scrummaging. No, well, this is. I think I've said on here before the, the problem England have got and, and why they're not probably in a better position than they are at the moment, is their two best props are not heavy scrummages. No matter, no matter how much of a fan you are of either men, they are not, they are clearly not Jeff Probin and uh, who, was his, who was his counterpart? Probin and... Um, Jason Leonard. Uh, oh, God. Jason would have been... Uh, yeah, Jason Leonard after that, but there was a guy before that. Anyway, they're clearly not heavy. They're not even Dan Cole and Marco Vunipola. They are mobile props, even by anyone's standards. They are very mobile ball playing 
ball carrying props. And I think that's why has caused some of the identity crisis that they've had in recent times because they don't they would rather just be gaining penalties from their set piece and working up fields like that if they could. And um, so they've got to pick them because they're clearly their two best props, but it, it caused, causes them problems. And they were they were kidding on. Tom Francis is a much better scrummager than... He's nowhere near the player of Ellis Genji. He's a much better scrummager than Ellis Genji's. And I thought they were catching on there. But um, that, that's... What was the question? Uh, I can't remember. Um, I, 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 it was more of a more of a comment. The other the other slight gripe I had was with, uh, I mean, I, I'm splitting hairs here because it, it wouldn't have made it wouldn't have made much difference. But there was a, there was a, a Jack Willis turnover, and again, he's an excellent excellent player. But it was one under the sticks on the stroke of half time, and he was about two foot beyond the ball before coming back. And um, and you know, I, I could see that from the very back row of the stadium. But uh, also, did Kyle Sinclair get that ball down for his try? Raynell thought so, didn't he? He was, uh, he was pretty close to it. Mm. Was it, it, was um, it Raynell yeah. yesterday? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I think that says it all, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, I don't like talking about referee decisions, but I think every time you get... Oh, we do. I think um, <laughs> every time you get a French referee, it, it, it's very difficult uh, to... I mean, they just referee the game so differently in France. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said, but I think it went both ways. I think that that temporary yeah, turnover right. right. when we were on the line was his hands were all over the floor as well. So I think it's very yeah, difficult right. to get there 100% right. And, you know, we've got the benefit of replays as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good shout. Right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be diving into more listeners' questions. Uh, we'll be taking a look ahead to what has become more than a potential banana skin against Italy. Uh, and it, who knows, Murph, we may even touch upon some Welsh rugby politics as well. All of that coming up after this quick break. Voices warming up. Oh, my voice is warming up. Just in time for part two. Just in time for part two. Uh, yeah, no, no, um, no singing appearances for me tonight, and um, and everyone could be very, very grateful for that. Uh, going to get stuck into the big issues though. This one is in from Paul Price. I'm going to throw this one over to you, Charlie. He says, "Do we still believe in Gatland?" I do, for what it's, I do for what it's worth. Never get a never get a gate named after you. Uh, what's been What's been your assessment of the of the games under Warren Gatland so far? Obviously, not very impressive on the pitch. Is there mitigation in terms of what's going on off the pitch, or is it actually just a factor of uh, of, their, of them not getting things right? What do you What do you make of the of it so far? Charlie? I mean, I was really surprised that they took back. To be honest, I mean, they say never go back. I mean, I would have thought, surely there's got to be some young up-and-coming coaches in Wales that, you know... Wrong. It <laughs> would have been a, a better... Pick. I mean, I, I think it's never going to be the same because it's like the missing ingredient is obviously Sean Edwards. So, you know, you, you're trying to bake a cake without the most vital ingredient. So, I don't know. I mean, so far, so good. I mean, so far, the results haven't been there. I haven't really necessarily seen what he's trying to do. I mean, the damn bigger thing for me is, I mean, I just do not understand why he isn't playing. I mean, to say that Owen Williams at, what is he, 31, is, a, is a, I mean, they're a similar range. I mean, damn big as a, as a lion. I mean, I thought the best rugby I've seen in recent times from Wales was the South Africa tour, when Big was captain, because he... You know, he was just so confrontational. And that's, that's the way you've got to be at Test Match Rugby. And he drives that. So, 
I'm really surprised in that. I mean, I know Ken Owens missed Wales, but he's 36. Um, and and would he be playing if Barry Barry was fit? Barry was fit. Would he be starting? I mean, you mentioned the line out. It wasn't great, was it, on Saturday? No. Yeah. It, uh, for us, it's usually the the it, not great, and then the. Um, Replacement hooker comes on and is asked to hit the back ball straight he away. Great, he did I it mean, this he's week. Got that 70s sort <laughs> <of>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bradley, yeah. But um, it, oh, massive overthrow and gave you know gave him another entry into our twenty-two again. So, um, yeah, Gat- Gatland. It's a bit. Uh, I don't want to make it light of it, but it's a bit, a bit like if you go back with an old girlfriend. It's not like yeah, it was the first time. It's just not, you know, it's familiar, yeah. but it's not like the no, first time. And. Um, they had, listen, he was available, like we've said on here. He was he was picked because he was available. You couldn't have Scott Robertson. You couldn't have the other guys because they're already under contract and not many unions are in a place to buy people out at the moment. So um, that was, it was, we had the guy who was available and and, clear, and as Jed made clear, there's no young young coach <laughs> coming through in Wales. Uh, no one of that stature anyway. So it, 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 was, it wasn't choice. It was who we could have. That's why Gatland is there. Yeah, and I mean, it's... It was a, a rescue mission anyway after off the back of a couple of yeah. very, very poor seasons and losses to Italy and Georgia at home, etc. So it was going to be a rescue mission anyway. I mean, from now on in, this is, uh, this is beyond... Well, can I just ask you guys, if you, lose to, if you lose to Italy away in two weeks, and bearing in mind that Pivac got sacked off the back of his in Switzerland, uh, I think the fact that it was Italy and Georgia at home in the same season is, is probably well, and you know, there, there, I think there was probably a case to say that they weren't moving anywhere for the for the previous two seasons before that. Um, so yeah, I don't think I don't think there's going to be a case for him getting pushed. I, I think what's more of a concern is how is what that player coach relationship is like off the back of off the back of you know a, a few weeks of potential industrial action. We don't know this, but it can't be it can't be easy to to keep uh, to keep that dressing room together, can it, Murph? Um, I, 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 honestly, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be one of the players at the moment. Mm. Um, no idea, because obviously Gatland made a statement. Uh, I, I have to admit here, I, I haven't caught up with your Wednesday night or Thursday night recording of the uh, reaction to the game being. Um, declared on so I don't know what you said there but um, Gatlin made a public statement saying he didn't support the strike and then the players are expected to go out and run through brick mm-hmm. walls for him on game day so um, uh, impossible I, I think Gatlin is on the hide into nothing on this particular stint mm-hmm. and then when you add that in on top uh, it's a really difficult position and, and that's nowhere near as difficult as it is for the players at the moment and again it's important to outsiders to remember that players on the pitch Saturday weren't necessarily striking for themselves. They were striking for their yeah. second and third choice teammates at their region who, who've got no certainty after May or June or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, imp- I mean, I can't... Uh, a lot of people are saying we hope this is like kind of a page turn, but mm. I, I guarantee there'll be another crisis. We've seen, yeah, we've, we've seen, we've seen it all before, unfortunately. Uh, let's get your take. Well, we're talking coaches though, Charlie, you've had, uh, you're, you're a Leicester fan as well. So uh, I don't know if this is, if, if it's a bit of a, a tricky one, losing Steve Borthwick to England as a, as a club, um, from a club perspective and then him taking over the national side. What have you made of, of his start and how England have, have progressed in the first couple of games? 
It's probably a bit too soon to, to really answer that question. I mean, it's what you've got two games in. I think I, I think Kevin Sinfield has, for me, got the potential to go on and be a great like Sean Edwards and Andy Farrell. Um, well, I think Farrell and Sean Edwards are probably two of the best coaches in the world at the moment. I think Kevin Sinfield's very well, uh, very much in that mould. I think Borfrit, you know, from what I've heard, is very, very process driven, and I think. Sometimes that worries me because I think teams now are just becoming so process driven instead of just, you know, sometimes rugby is just the feeling. And we mentioned Italy, and I think they're just playing with that freedom. You know, you don't always have to box kick every time you're in your own half. You know, have a look. Sometimes move it one, two, three people, and then the kick's on, or if it's not, go. So I think Nick Evans is obviously making a big difference. I heard Danny Carey commentary saying he's, he's given uh, England a few of the Harlequins moves, which he's not too happy about, but they clearly work because we scored off them. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Woolsworth and Alec Walters comes in. Um, but he was always going to lead Tigers to take the England job. That was the plan. It just obviously happened sooner than, than we thought it was going to happen in the summer anyway. So, yeah, I think from Tigers' point of view, it's just affected them a bit more because it's, it's sort of mid-season. Um, yeah, but other than that, I think we'll, uh, the jury's out. I think. Yeah, while you're, uh, yeah, while we were talking about talented Welsh coaches, it would have been nice actually to have Alan Walters in. <laughs> yeah, in, in red tracks, so yeah, he's going to make a big difference. <clears throat> yeah, you might, you might well be right. Um, right, let's uh, let's head on and, and take a look at, at some of these other questions, and we're going to stick with the uh, with the international stuff. You mentioned there, Murph, that it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hiding to nothing Gatlin's appointment this time. Uh, obviously, the man he took over from, Wayne Pivak, was in the studio. Uh, was in the studio. That was brilliant. Uh, that was brilliant. I, I, yeah, let, this, this one's come in from someone who's simply called 2020. I want to get your uh, get your take on, on that one then, Charlie. What was... Uh, I, I haven't seen any of it. So what, I just thought it was really, it was really nice dynamic because obviously in the autumn on Amazon, you had Gatlin doing his name to be back. And obviously now the tables were reversed. And he... Uh, I really like Peebac. I, um, I I respect him a lot. I think, um, you know, he, he, he's clearly, he had a plan coming in from the Scarlets, didn't need to, to move, move the Welsh game on in terms of play a bit more expansively. And it, and it you know, and it didn't quite work and sometimes it did, but that, that's test match rugby. Some sort. I think the thing about test match rugby for me that's so funny is that everyone slates South Africa for this boring kicking game. Yet every single team, apart from Italy, that we're talking about is trying to emulate it. Everyone box kicks. Yeah, everyone good. kicks yeah, a lot. I, I, Everyone's trying to play the same way as South Africa. But they get straight. Yeah, yeah, they are the best of it. I mean, you mentioned mm. scrummages. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, the best scrummage for England is Marler, and he's not even he's not even in the squad. I mean, Genge is great around the park, but you know, Adam Jones said that you know Marler's the top five scrummages in the world. And you saw when we went up against South Africa, they absolutely marmalised our front row. That that's the bench. That set piece. That's that scrummaging. Genji's and Sinker are nowhere near. I mean, Mal Herbert's just different level. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I just find it funny when everyone slates that. And, you know, to say that Ireland are the, are the best team in the world, they're not Ireland, they rank number one, but South Africa are the world champs. Yeah, they are. No. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating when we get to when we get to France. And I've said, I mean, do not go on my predictions based on uh, based on the last few weeks, which have been an absolute pinfire <laughs> of a, of a mess. Uh, but I do, I still feel we got more. To, I think France have had a bit of a stuttering Six Nations, but I still think there's more to come out of them, and I think they're going to rise another level 
on home on home soil. But South Africa will definitely be in the mix. They, they should have been. Right. It's the good. only reason I'm in South Africa mm. in the autumn is because they're Cheslin Colby kicking for goal. They're in third gear. Pollard plays that game. They win that game in third gear. Like Ireland. They did, yeah. They did have a good autumn, South Africa, because they narrowly lost in France and they narrowly lost in Ireland. Without so if you move without those, if you move those to move those to neutral venues. Obviously, if they play if they play France in, in the World Cup, that won't be neutral. But if you move Ireland, South Africa to a neutral venue, that should level out to a South African win. But it's sometimes that they get too much of the uh, I, I get what you're saying everyone's kind of emulating them but they they don't they can't play as open as Ireland can South Africa they can they can they can turn it on and their wingers are deadly but they, they don't handle the ball as crisply as Ireland do at the moment and I think that's why Ireland are uh, in my in my eyes they 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 tip they just ahead of them as number one France have dropped off a little bit but I think they can I think they can improve again the, the interesting thing is it's um, in World Cup year, it's very, very different because you do actually get an extended period of time with the players ahead of ahead of the mm. tournament, which in international rugby is few and far between. You get a couple of training sessions, don't you, really, to, to kind of pull a, to pull a team together for the Six Nations or for the autumn. Whereas for Rugby World Cup, it is different, which is something I'm clinging on to, the fact that Gatland has historically got players in a really, really, you know, and got the team in really good nick ahead of that, regardless of what's happened in the in the Six Nations. Mm. But again, with the yeah, with the other um, with the other sides, you know, that that is going to be the case as well. So there there will be some who come off it and come into it in you know in kind of prime condition for for Rugby World Cup. But um, yeah, um, that does feel, that does feel a long way away at the moment. Let's take another question. Um, and again, not so much a question as a statement. This one's coming from account holder. Wholesale changes still needed for the remaining two games. Tipperick, Thomas Williams, Josh Adams, all on borrowed time. Uh, I feel like Josh Adams on borrowed borrowed time. Mate, that's well, been um, that's that's been running throughout the throughout the press today. How actually. many how many yeah. passes has he had? Well, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I I I found it strange. I came out and didn't think he was. I didn't think he was particularly culpable yesterday, and I wasn't thinking, "Oh, that was a terrible game from Josh Adams." Was there, was there any defensive errors? Or I, I, think don't, I, don't... Some miss, I think there's some missed tackles in there. Oh, was well, it? All oh, right, um, okay. Yeah, which right. I didn't. Um, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I, I personally, I think he's still got a fair bit of credit in the bank. But in terms yeah. of that, in terms of that young versus old dynamic, I'm inclined to agree with uh, with our listener there that I have been impressed with the youngsters coming in and. I don't know. I I would be t- and Charlie said at the top of the show. I I would still be getting more of them in. I think you know. It, that's a, you that's fair, what do you make of Mason? Yeah, no, I think that's that's probably part of it. What did you make of Mason Grady, Murph? I mean, he's a guy who's barely played any regional rugby. Straight into it yesterday with a equally as inexperienced inside centre. Yeah, non-existent. England. What it, what, yeah. Well, the only the only thing they had in their favour is they played together at the Welsh under twenty level. Mm. Otherwise, I thought if they hadn't done, I I would say that was a massive risk to put those two in against, well, anyone, let alone let alone the English side. Um, you're right about that. I think the I think the colour of the old guard that I I mm. theorised about is it actually did. happening. Yeah, is actually actually happening in front of our eyes. I think if Will Rowlands was fit, he would be in the side ahead of Alan Jones. I think if Debbie Lake was fit, he would be pushing. He couldn't push the captain out, but he would be getting on earlier right for Ken Owens. Uh, I don't know. I, I, the at the, at the is, moment, I think it is because you've got because we haven't brought the youngsters through. Yeah. There's no young option. 
so you had to go for one of the old guard again. It was either Tipper, Gallowman, Jones, Dan Bigger, or Ken Owen. So there's no real, no one else really I mean, coming through that you could pick. So, um, saying that Jack Morgan should be captain. I don't think Jack Morgan gets an aside if I'm on it. Like, no, oh, sorry, doesn't. I'm not saying he he shouldn't, but he's by no means a guarantee. I think no. you know, um, personally, he's got I, a, he's got to hold down the seven jersey, or he yeah. doesn't get in. I think that's, that's it. it. Yeah, we've got to stop mucking around, picking two sevens at six and seven or seven and eight. I think that that, and again, yesterday showed that. Um, but I, I I do think that it's it's just so competitive at open site. It's one of those positions we got. We got ten ten players who could do it, but. Mm. You can you can only pick one of them, and uh, yeah. as, as excellent as Jack Morgan is, yeah, he doesn't. I, I think he's got all the attributes to be captain. I've said before, I think the next long term Welsh captain will be Dowie Lake, not Daphne Jenkins. Yeah. Possibly, yeah, that's another good shout. Actually. That's another very good shout. Um, yeah, he might have a longer wait to be out and out first choice, so um, Dowie's ready to go, I think. But it could be a couple of seasons before uh, David Jenkins is clear number one second row. So. Um, uh, I, I think honestly, I think captain is the least of our worries. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I just, I mean, what if we were playing kick and clap yesterday? Why did we bother hiring Alex King? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and if he's the attack coach or the backs coach or whatever he, whatever title he is, what what is he? I, I know, look, it's fair, they've only had like four weeks with the side, and Gatland is fair, is looking at everyone and seeing what he, you know, he's he's being quite brave actually because he could, when you consider how poorly they're playing he could just play it safe and pick lots of experienced people and try and uh, lessen the damage that we're taking now but he's being quite brave I think by bringing in people like Mason Grady um, but it, it, it you know by the end of the tournament I want to see some shape behind I want to see what we're trying to do with the ball otherwise uh, and, and this should be up already obviously is that they should be working out who takes over after the World Cup Mm. So that that should be the guy, you know. Obviously, like I said, Gatlin was the guy who was available, but this one should be the guy. They, you know, the old thing about we've uh, the Roger Lewis. We've searched the globe, yeah. and we've got our man. It should be that again. Um, so Mason Grady. The, the original question was Mason Grady. Uh, Max Llewellyn is very unlucky man. He's mm. he's back fit again now and had a really good really good game for Cardiff on his first game back. And um, he's he, if these two are going to be the the Centre pairing for the for the next so many seasons. He is in the mix for that because um, I think he's done he's done much more at regional level than either of Joe or uh, Mason put together. And he's the same age, so or a year older maybe. So um, I, I think he's unlucky, and I, I I hope he gets in the squad in the in the uh, in the what summer. About Josh Adams is Oh no, chance. No? I, 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 I no, I don't like it at all. He's never played there. Uh, apart from that one game against Ireland, which was an un, mm. well, not a misguided disaster, it was never likely to work. I, I, I think that you, I think you've got to commit to some of these youngsters now. You know, I think if you're looking for the stopgap, you stick with North. And I think if you're looking for the long-term future, Grady, Cluellen, Hawkins. I'm sure there's someone I've missed in the mix as well. Kieran Williams, potentially, potentially Kieran Williams, and. Yeah, I think I think they're the you know the the kind of the right solutions. I know he's not my favourite player, but I thought Tompkins made. A I think I'm surprised he's not starting. I have to be honest. He's your best one. Mm-hmm. He, he would be the safety option, I think. Mm. If if you wanted to play a safe for the whole tournament to keep the scores down, you'd go with Tompkins. But Gatland, I think, has been quite brave. Look at the difference England with England with playing a proper twelve. You know, yeah. Lawrence has completely yeah. transformed. I mean, and, and I've been screaming about it, James, like Smith, Barrow. 
thank God that's been put to bed, but you have to have mm. proper 12. You look at all the best teams have got a proper 12 playing 12. And in my opinion, Tonkins is the best 12. Well, the, the argument with uh, Joe Hawkins with his Nick, Nick Tompkins is there's more ball playing ability in Joe Hawkins and the kicking game. Uh, Tompkins is a straight up defensive type of player, really. Uh, he can carry as well, but the, they're hoping that Joe Hawkins becomes more of a Hadley Parks, still they say, no, it's not that size, but more, uh, who's, what's the equivalent, I suppose, uh, like well, a Owen Farrell, Matt Owen Gitto. Farrell is when he was back for England. Mm. Uh, no, because that's a converted 10. But the only reason, in my opinion, the only reason Farrell plays 12 is because they don't want to drop him out of the side. Mm. But sometimes with Farrell, there's not enough creativity at 10. So they, they have to move him out to 10 to get some creativity into 10, but they can't afford to drop him out of the side because of his who he is and his personality and what have you. Our, our problem with Hawkins is we need someone with as good distribution at 12 uh, as... as um, Someone like a Matt Gitto or, or, or even a late era Ma Nonu, and we haven't had that in this sort of Jamie Roberts era and what have you for a long, long time, and it, it puts a handbrake on your backs. Um, so they're hoping he's going to develop into that. Nick Tompkins has had two or three seasons and not really shown it apart from last summer in South Africa. Yeah, interesting one. I mean, yeah, you, you're right. And just on the Max Llewellyn point, Murph. Uh, so he will be eligible regardless of the regardless of the caps because he hasn't had a cap yet. Is that right? Yeah, I don't think he's been in a Welsh squad yet. No, has I he? don't think he has. So mm. he, even though he's going off to where's he going? Gloucester. Gloucester, I believe. Even yeah. though he's going to Gloucester, if he's picked for Gatland's World Cup training squad, but Joe Hawkins is leaving as well. By the way, no, no apparently that's been quashed now. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh right. Rob, oh. Ba- Rob Baxter was quick yeah, to call that one. Happened. I wonder. Wh- I wonder. Oh right, right, right. I wonder whether whoever Joe Hawkins' is agent. Spoiler alert: Probably Darwin um, has been uh, has been has been stirring the pot there a little bit in the in the mix of uh, of, of deep contract negotiations. I wonder whether that might be that might be the right, case. right. Allegedly, okay. don't mm. I don't I have no proof of any of that. I'm just, just does uh, the you know that the sixty cap rule has been cut to twenty five? Yeah. Is that right? Correct. Does that clear Will Rowlands? Uh, I don't think he's on twenty five, is he? No, he's on twenty three. Ordinarily, it wouldn't. Uh, it would be. Um, yeah, it, it because his contract would probably start. I think most players' contracts start first of July or first of June, so he yeah. would technically be uh, be employed in France at that stage. Mm. However, given what a clusterfuck this has been, uh, mm. I wonder whether there will be all kinds of loop. I mean, it's going anyway. I mean, twenty five for the time being. That's not going to make any bloody difference, is it? It will no. go. It will go wholesale soon. I think. Yeah. So you know, you can say right, okay. Well, you know, that that means um, that means Louis Rees Samet will probably never play in Wales. Probably. Because he'll be on twenty-five caps before before the end of the World Cup, I would imagine, mm-hmm. and that means he's never he never have to doesn't if he doesn't want to, he, he will never have to come back to play in Wales. He can well, just stay over the border. I think there are going to be many many implications of that, Murph. And when we get into the third and final part of the show, we are going to take <laughs> some of the fallout. So uh, let's uh, take a quick break. Give my voice uh, twenty seconds to recover. And in the meantime, listeners, you can listen to some adverts of stuff you may or may not like to buy. <laughs> Right, on to the home stretch, boys. I've genuinely really, really enjoyed this. Actually, it's perked me right up, considering I've had no energy. I'm hungover, and my voice is knackered. Um, and we've lost le- England. Less politics today. That's always good. Well, Murph. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean there is less politics for now, but uh, let's let's get let's get into a, into a few of these things because we were touching on it before the break. All of these different permutations that may well happen off the back of this kind of cobbled to get together contract deal. Uh, this question's come in from from Rugby Twenty Four Seven. I'm really sorry. He always he has told me his name before, and he messages in a lot. In fact, it's Neil. Neil, sorry, Neil. Um, but yeah, Neil has asked, will there still be four Welsh regions in four years' time? Murph. Ah, uh, <laughs> God. The thing is, the, the the money to go round is not enough, as it is it. Nope. That's the way it looks. So, the decision is. Do you choose the one that's most hard up, which sounds like that's the Ospreys, mm-hmm. in the, when I say I, in the most financial difficulty, or do you choose the one that's been the least well-performing? Because obviously, if the one's in financial difficulty and then the the, the pool of money increases, then in theory, that, that, that would change. Um, or do you choose the one, but, but, I mean, that would be the Dragons, the one that's been underperforming for the last 10 years or so. So either way, no one's happy. I mean, this is, uh, and again, I, I'm sorry for repeating myself, but we got into this position because all the clubs were bankrupt. Mm. Every club, no matter how fucking popular they were with the locals, Pontypreet or Pontypool or Newbridge, I don't know, or, 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 or fucking uh, Aberavon, they were all bankrupt. So we had to we had to cut that down to four regions. No one likes the lie of the regions. People in the valleys, 20 years later, still hate everything about regional rugby, and that's fine. But they happened because they were all skint. Now we're in the same boat again. There's not enough money. So someone's got to go. I, I, I definitely, I personally, I definitely never want to get to the point where we just got two teams like mm-hmm. Italy and Scotland. I think we're a bigger rugby nation than Italy and Scotland. There I said it. And we should have more. We should have more than more than two sides. Let me just answer. Well, there you go. Uh, oh, and, it's all right. It's the wife, Murph. It's not, yeah, it's not yeah. lots of angry, yeah. angry Ponty supporters coming to kill <laughs> I, I don't care about dinosaurs who still want, still want to go back to club rugby. I don't care. Uh, that, that, is, that is just the bare facts of it. We, there's nothing we could do. And if this happens again, there's going to be more disgruntled fans. Uh, but I suppose the main thing is rugby union hasn't come to terms with professionalism. Not in this country. I don't think anywhere, actually. But not in this country. And, you know, by the way, uh, Charlie's team have just had a £13 million bailout. Like, our clubs can only dream <laughs> of half that as a bailout. So, you know, that, that's that's the, the broader issue outside of Wales is rugby doesn't generate enough money to sustain what it does. Worldwide, not just here. So, mm. we... we, we Obviously, you know the Welsh lobster thing. We always like to drag drag ourselves down. It's in the it's in the national psyche. Uh, we beat ourselves up over it, but it's happening everywhere. And like I said, uh, I think I've said on here before, we participation is really down in Wales. Yeah. But if uh, get on John, who I end up in meetings with, has been been to a global meeting of all the unions. Participation is down globally since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. New Zealand's participation. Uh, loss is worse than ours, and that makes me feel quite good. Mm. And uh, and so it's not just it's not just something where we're Welsh and we're fucking mad and tribal and stupid and and off our rocker, and that's why everything's going wrong. It's it's a problem to do with rugby union working as a professional sport. Interesting. Let's take a look from the other side of the bridge. So Charlie, you know, as we, as we said there, um, a cash injection into Leicester 
this week or last week, I think it was. Obviously, champions of England, more than healthy gate numbers, you know, for for a number of seasons. Is it just a short term cash flow thing, or actually is it symptomatic of the of the bigger problems that that Merce talking about there that there just simply isn't enough money in club rugby, even for the you know the giants of the game like Leicester? I think it is that. Yeah, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because the players need to take a wage cut; they get paid too much money. But you've got to you've got to pay that money to get the best players in to be competitive. You know, especially if you're trying to compete in Europe, where you know we've got a salary cap in in the Premiership. And we're trying to compete with France. You know, I think the salary cap and approach is like four, France is eight, Ireland is unlimited. So, you know, you, but unfortunately that money's got to come from somewhere. If, you, if, you, if you're outgoing to more than you're ingoing, then what's coming in is obviously going to be a deficit. I think we talk about the benefactors in Wales as well. There's a, there's a few billionaire owners that are basically writing two to four million off a year and they're keeping these clubs afloat. And you saw what happens when they don't do that. I lost Worcester, they go bust. You know, we're very lucky that we're probably the biggest, biggest club in, in England. And as Murph just said, we've had a cash injection of 13 million, which are probably we're sensible with it, keep us going for the next six years. But we've got to become more professional and the players have got to understand that, you know, that they, they've got to take a, a decrease in salary, which is hard to ask people to do when they're putting their bodies on the line and keeping it out, isn't it? And I think that's the, that's a big part of it for me is it's not just yeah I think there is that understanding from the players I think the word coming out of coming out of the veil this weekend is was sorry last week was very much that it this is not about pay it's about security and it's about securing players' futures and you know we've we've covered all this it's been monumentally mishandled by the uh, by the the powers that be in Wales it, and it should never have got to this stage and it's a complete joke but alongside that kind of um, pay cut stuff. There is def- there definitely has to be an understanding that there is too much rugby played, and there is. And you know, at the moment, the model is well, let's just have some more bloody games. Let's just have more games, and that's at club rugby level, that's at international rugby level. And if you're going down to a squad size of 33, 35 players, and asking them to uh, to play in the the URC, the the European competitions, and then the internationals going off and playing international rugby as well. You know, you can have you can have a situation where you haven't got you barely got twenty three to to put out in the uh, in the games. There's there ha- there has to be a fundamental change, and you're right, Murph. There's there's just not enough money in the sport. There is there is, and I have no idea where that comes from. Well, to me, yeah. a lot of it comes from broadcasting. I mean, the French deal is I mean, it's triple what BT pay the Premiership. You know, and that's not going to increase until the next deal will probably be the same. But it's the deal after that that everyone's interested in because it's going. Rebound, and that's where the serious money comes in because at the moment it's just not, it's just the TV deal isn't big enough. But we're all coming out of COVID. Yeah, we are coming out of COVID, but there was a massive increase when BT first took it 10 years ago. No, they paid less than Sky. They paid less than Sky for it. Not first time, right? In 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sky didn't want it because I, I don't know for what, I don't know for what reason, but. I'm, Charlie, I, I'm sure that Sky were really, really hacked off that they lost that because they had a long-running partnership with it and were really hacked off that that BT took it. I, it's the, the the last the last time round, Sky showed no interest, and I, I it was my understanding that that was because they were thoroughly annoyed that um, that BT were, were given it in the first place. I, I maybe no, 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 you could be right. You could be right. I thought. I... 
yeah. I just thought that they, they, they weren't interested. I think they put in an offer, but it was sort of, it was a bit of a cheeky offer and they thought they could yeah. get it, you know, at a, at a decent price. I don't think the difference between that and BT was that much, but. But what, when you talk about a revamp, what do you, what do you see coming? Or what would make a difference? Well, I, th- I, I mean, I, I mean, there's lots of things that have been talked about at the moment. It's speeding the game up, isn't it? The shot clock's coming in yep. and, you know, reset scrums and line outs and kicks at goal and just, I think the biggest problem that the rugby, I mean, you, you mentioned that participation is down in Wales and I heard that's because, you know, football in Wales is getting, is getting more interest at the moment, you know, it's talking a lot of numbers away from rugby, which, you know, when it's your national sport, like it is in New Zealand is, is worrying. And I think the biggest thing is you're, you know, we're into rugby, we play rugby, but if you're not in, if you've never played rugby before and you switch on the telly, you haven't got a clue what's going on. You know, football is so basic, you know, a guy with, you know, anyone can grasp it. There's only one rule and that's offside. And it's basically 11 players on one side, 11 players on the other, trying to get a round ball in the net. That, that's effectively what football is. But in rugby, you've got line-outs, you've got scrums, you've got breakdowns, you've got moves, you've got, you know, people kicking, people passing, people tech. There's so many different things and different laws that, you know, if you've never played it, you wouldn't know what's going on. And I think that's where we're struggling. It's attracting new people into the sport because it, it, it is quite complicated. And I think the way to rectify that is, I don't know about, I don't know enough about it in Wales, but in England, we've got to get more of the state school system playing rugby because at the moment it's only private schools and there's more state schools than there is private schools. So we need to open it up to a wider audience and get people from different backgrounds, different diversities, picking the game up and playing it. And that's how we're going to increase the numbers. I think that's definitely right from a from a participation point of view in England. You know, you, the, the same couldn't be said in, in Wales, really, Murph, could it? But the, the interesting point with that is if you look over the Irish Sea into Ireland and theirs is absolutely founded upon... You know, uh, particularly in Leinster, that that kind of, uh, private private school system that that provides loads and loads of uh, well, they copy the English basically. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's really interesting. Yeah, but they, they they got the advantage though that everyone is centrally yeah, contracted. Thing. Yeah, uh, and and so if you if you were way look, uh, Jamie Roberts has made a really good point set on several occasions over the last couple of weeks about. Um, in Ireland, everyone works for the union. In, in in England, everyone works for their club, and then the the England team pay to use yeah. their players. Uh, which would you rather copy? Because we're neither. That's the point he's mm-hmm. making. He's point. He's making. We're, we're neither. The the players are owned by both, and so we will always end up in 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 a confrontation, eventually between the clubs and, and the union, who uh, are supposedly one and the same person, if you know what I mean, because uh, I run a club and I vote about what happens in the union and I'm a member of the Welsh Rugby Union. But where do the regions fit into that? And, and, and so how can they be, if they're one and the same union, how can they be arguing with each other? That's how mental the situation is. But if you were going to copy one of those, I don't know how it works in France, but if you were going to copy England or Ireland, you'd copy Ireland, especially as a smaller country. We're not. We're not as big, or uh, I'm not. It's not as wealthy a country as Ireland, Wales, obviously, because, uh, uh, for example, Leinster, when they play, they get more people paying more money to watch them. So they might have twice as many people, but watching them as Cardiff, but they're also paying more as well. So we never compete on that level. But as far as um, 
making everything more straightforward and um, easier to run and less <laughs> aggro, I think I think central contract is the way to go. Um, they effectively own the, the WAU effectively owns the regions anyway because they they fund them. So why not make it clear? Why not not make it clear? Why not cut out the middleman and just be done with that? And and so that I don't know exactly know how the models work for the each of the four provinces in Ireland and how they how they relate to the um, union, but. If you make it for so, all that, in, for all intents and purposes, you're right. They're centrally owned, right? So yeah, you, you have access to those players. When yeah, they, they might have their own their own limited company thing going on, but the players are all owned by the union, and that would make life much more straightforward over here. <laughs> no, and everyone seems dead against it because there's a history of because of the way Welsh Rugby Union was. It's load of stuff suits who can't be trusted a lot of the time in the past and recently. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would yeah. recent history suggest anything different? Yeah, uh, but I think we've got to get beyond it, yeah. especially if we go to the point where there's a professional board running professional rugby. Then I think the old attitudes have got to be pushed back and, and just get on with it. You know, the, the the I think I've said on here the vote that took place last October about the motion to have a, 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 a executive chairman who was independent and everything else, which got knocked back. A lot of the reason <laughs> that was knocked back is well, the one reason was because it wasn't explained properly, and the other reason was because there's an inherent distrust of the Welsh Rugby Union, so mm. people voted against it anyway. If we could sort of the pride on that and get, I think this motion will go go through. Then I think the next step, personally, I think the next step and the easiest way to run rugby in Wales is to central contract everything. Yes, and the success of the of the Welsh team has paid over the cracks, hasn't it? That's yeah, I think yeah, absolutely. But I think I think you've got to be careful. I think we I think we knew that at the time, Charlie, as well. I think I think most people who who follow uh, who follow rugby in Wales knew that that was the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you just followed the national team, you might think, okay, well, it, it doesn't matter. But most people, you know, knew it was built on a, a foundation of. And I think, and I think the thing with Leinster as well is, I think, I don't know, I, I don't, agree, you don't necessarily want to follow their model because what did Leinster win? They didn't win the URC. They didn't win Europe last year. They've basically got the islands being wants to play. They can't be anywhere in South Africa. Yeah, power game in La Rochelle. They've got absolutely. They can't deal with power. Saracens yeah. are the power. Mm. They can't deal with power. So I don't necessarily think that Leinster are as good as, ever, as everyone thinks they are. We'll see this year. We'll see no. this year. If they don't win anything, they haven't lost a game in the league all season. So, um, I don't they haven't lost they, in Europe yeah. either. I, I take your point. Larachelle caught them out on that day. But, but so the, the ball, point is they were in so the, the Yeah, Yeah, but they were in the final. When's a Welsh club ever been in any final? Clearly, uh, with the last time you've been in a final, no Welsh club has been anywhere near uh, a European mm. final in in decades. So you know, there, there, there's there's levels, is all I'm saying. Yes, Leinster are not as probably not as dominant up front as they could be to be considered the best team in Europe, but there's a big step between them and everyone else in Wales. Massive, huge step. I mean, their, their academy is better funded than most of our senior if sides. You think the sides, I mean, I, I personally. Osprey's been really, really good in it. I mean, they turned us over. I thought I, I, yeah. I've seen signs that the regions have been playing better and there's, not there's definitely more. signs. 
there's signs with their European run, but at the same time, they they won one one out of their first ten games in the league, and yeah. you know, and but Toby Bee's done a, an absolutely brilliant job in that European campaign, and and you know, I think it's it's a really tough ask to go away to Saracens. I think almost any other any other draw, and they would have they would have um they would have given a, a really good shot, but um. He's done a brilliant job there. He's definitely got the best squad, I think, out of those um, out of the four out of the four regions. But, but ironically, uh, they're the ones that are likely to fall financially. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, isn't so, it? It's a shame. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I know there's a few Osprey supporters out there who think that I've really got it in for them, and I really, I really don't um, <laughs> at all. I, you know, I think um, there's a lot, a lot of people down there, and you know, Scott uh, is a good friend of the podcast, and he's still working down there, and. Um, well, they yeah. were my team. They were my team for. I know. I know. I'm as Cardiff as you like, but they were my my one of my best mates was coaching the backs there, yeah. so they were my team for years on end. I know. There's no and uh, our very own Yestin is a uh, a yeah, uh, an Osprey supporter and Juju Yeah. There's four yeah. miles between. <laughs> yeah, four miles between Ospreys and Scarlets. Is it? It's a little bit, a little bit more than that, isn't no, it? No, it's 12, yeah. 13 miles, I think. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, I mean, look, that's the. That, that, the geography in, in, in Wales doesn't make any sense to people who live here or people who don't live here. But the trouble is, two-thirds of the population live in a small area of South Wales. There's no point in us putting a team in North Wales because no fucker lives there. And, 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 and it, you know, it does make sense geographically, and there are enough people, but everyone lives down here. And this has always been the hotbed of rugby. So, it, you, you know, Cardiff and Newport are 12 miles apart, and Ospreys and Netley are about... 12, 13 miles apart. But that, that doesn't make sense to an outsider, but it does make sense if you live here because it's where everyone fucking lives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't, put, it, I can't yeah. put it any more complicated I think, than I that. think <laughs> as a, obviously, as an outsider, I think from what I've heard, you know, from English people when they were going back over, the, the, the tribal rivalry of the clubs isn't what it used to be back in the day when there was, you know, like Swansea and... and, and if, if I'm... A, yeah, I mean, there, there, is, there is that bit... That I would say is gone, um, but like Murph said, right? Is you you couldn't have a, a Welsh Premiership with ten teams in it. No, 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 no. I don't think anyone's expecting. My my big my biggest my biggest problem is the rivalry, not with the not with between the the Welsh sides, because I think you know whatever they're called, you know whether it's the Dragons versus the Cardiff Monkeys, right? It doesn't it doesn't matter what they're called to be, because a team that plays in blue and black in the capital city versus a team that plays in Newport. And I know that that's not truly representative of regional of regions and, and, and all that stuff. Cause it was a basket case to start with, but I think there will always be something on the line, you know, and, and as, as poor as the dragons have been for 10 years, like Merce says, it's full of kids from Gwent, you know, that, that player base is full of, and that's why I still take a great deal of pride in it, even though we've not had bugger all success. Um, you know, and that's, that's something that, that I do, you know, I do, uh, the the rivalry between those sides is still evident. I think when you have the Boxing Day derbies and and things like that. My pro- my problem is how the hell do you get anyone in Newport, Cardiff, uh, Swansea, Neath, Llanelli, anywhere? How do you get them up for a fixture against uh, the Bulls or Connacht or uh, Zebra? Because you know there's just no, there's nothing there. You know if it's a one off European game. That yeah, that that's kind of different because it's part of something. But for that to be your domestic league, it doesn't make so any were, sense. I could live. Are you there. against the South Africans in the URC? Hundred percent. Yeah, and I know financially it makes sense, but in the long term, it's it's mad. It just doesn't make any sense having them in a domestic league. 
you know there's there, there is just there's no way of selling that into 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 the public i know it, you know in ireland people will go and watch leinster versus uh versus the sharks or whoever but they'll watch leinster versus anyone because they've been brilliant for a long long period of time and and yes success would help with that but like we say you know but the world size it would take light years to get as as successful as those teams so we need some kind of rugby that people can get behind um Dan thinks she should come and see the english league i would give my i would give my right arm for it i take i take place i take places in the championship i'd rather we were playing bedford and um and richmond than playing than playing these other teams because it will always mean something to get get one over an english side whoever it is the best, the best business for teams in South Wales is regular fixtures against, obviously our local rivals. So Cardiff, Newport, Cardiff, Ospreys, but then Bristol, Gloucester, Exeter, Bath. Those are the money spinners if you're playing in this. If you, if you're putting on matches in this part of the world, playing, playing. I think the South Africans only came into the URC so they could get into the European tournament. That's that's my feeling. Do you not think that um, make the standard of rugby better? I mean, they have done. Oh, they, they have done, yeah. They're, they're brilliant. So from they're, a rugby point of view, it makes sense. But, but that's... But that's kind of, yeah. But, but again, from a rugby point of view, you know, Charlie, could you could you argue that Leicester and Northampton, you merge and, you know, you have a really <laughs> brilliant, strong East Midland side? You know, it, there's... Uh, that, but, and that would be... There'd be carnage in that there would, and but but that's because it really means yeah. something when they when they play against each other, and, and I think those rivalries will will all. That's that's more what it's about for me, you know. I, I think yes, you want a good standard of rugby, but you also, you know, there also just has to be some meaning. And when you're floating around 14th, 15th in the URC, and then you're playing against Zebra or Benetton, um, or the Bulls or the Sharks or anything, it just doesn't it just doesn't mean anything. Yes, you watch those games. Win, but, would you watch those games? Who do you support I them for this well. podcast? I, I'm yeah. Dragons, um, so yeah, it's a tough ask anyway. But I watch all. I generally speaking will watch all four sides play on a on a weekend, uh, and I do it for this pod. I you know I've definitely started questioning myself about that. If I wasn't doing the pod, I don't think I'd. Yeah, watch, I, I certainly wouldn't watch all of them. Okay. Any other way, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll watch anyone play anyone at anything. Not anything, but so long as there's an egg involved. I will literally watch the Lions versus Zebra in in the piss wet rain on Boxing Day. I just watch every. I, only uh, it's only been made possible by the invention of TiVo. By the way, mm. <laughs> my my TiVo records every live game that is broadcast, and I I never delete them without without watching them. But only because I can speed watch. I am got. I mean, I'm got. I have got a job and a life and everything. <laughs> but uh, that that's how I manage. <laughs> I've probably got eight outstanding games on my TiVo now that I haven't watched. So that, that you know, again, that wouldn't be possible before TiVo. Charlie, let, let me ask you this because it's it's often something that's thrown, um, you know, when whenever we moot the the Anglo Welsh kind of as a as a solution, is there any appeal in it as a as a fan of an English side? Would you be interested in that, or you just want to keep the status quo? I, I mean, I personally think we've got the best league in the world. It's the most competitive. I mean, if you look at the Premiership this season. Anyone can beat anyone. I think the difference between fourth and bottom is like 10 points. You know, Saracens are clearly the front runners, and I think they're unfortunate that they've lost their best player in the final. Otherwise, I think they'd probably win Europe as well. Because, you know, mm. I, 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 yeah, I just, I, I wouldn't I win that. And I said this to Dan because it was the first time we discussed it. And I don't know, from my point of view, obviously, I, I don't watch the URC, but for me, the, the South Africans are. 
you know, if you were going to build a rugby team, you'd build it with South Africa. That thing's really interesting. Sorry, I digress. Like sale. Well, exactly, sale. Case in point, sale. And Tigers yeah. have just signed yeah. Dan McKellar. Never heard of him as the head coach for next season. And Tigers are all about, yeah. well, you know, we wanted a coach who's set-piece orientated because that's what Tigers are. Set-piece orientated is about scrum, line-out, forward dominance, grit, real gnarly players. Who's the best in the world at that? South Africa. So if Razzy Rasmus, I've been heard, was in the mix, why on earth would you want to go and get someone who's won the World Cup? Because you haven't got the money. <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. For his, That's probably true. For his, for his, for his wages. Yeah, and all yeah, yeah. His, but I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Well. It's like, why would you go to Australians aren't renowned for set piece? I mean, like, out of the Southern Hemisphere team, they've probably got the worst line out, the worst scrum. It's just didn't make any sense mm. to me. The, the other thing you haven't got if to sign. Razzy Erasmus is the PR team to cover his tracks well, all the time. Maybe that's one. Maybe that's one. <laughs> you, need a, you need a big squad of I mean, uh, I just thought it's the sun and I just thought, Jesus, I'd play for I mean, I would love it. I, I would have absolutely loved to be the Tigers coach. If that was ever a possibility, you know, you know, rugby's still about physics at the end of the day. And that's why, you know, obviously we talked about it earlier, but South Africa are built to play rugby. Oh, yeah. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, you know, everyone's yeah. talking about Ireland, but from my opinion, they won't, they won't be able to match that. Or France, arguably. We tried it. We tried it in the 2019 World Cup. I mean, England are a physical team, but we can't play that way against South Africa because they are the most physical. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's slightly different, though, because all they did really was take away a set well, They scored piece. two tries. I mean, you mentioned they can't go wide. When was the last time you... Oh yeah, no, 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 I, I, no. They can go oh, wide because yeah. uh, because people like Mapimpi oh, and Chesson Colby are, are amazing. But they they were able to go wide because England had been forced to chase the game at that stage, and then they could open up. But what they did to England on the day was take away their set piece. Uh, Dan Cole was getting thrown up in the air no, by. Um, oh shit! I can't remember the I can't remember Kiss the loose head. Uh, no. Yeah, no. Initially, it was one of the one of the black oh, loose heads, uh, which would be. And Oxen Che, Oxen Che, who was, was not a very tall guy, so that's why he's such an effective scrummager. And 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 then, because at the time, that vintage of uh, Eddie Jones, um, England, it was kind of winning set piece penalties to gain field position and go from there. When she took that away, they they looked they looked stunned on the day. They looked stunned on the day. And then of course, once they once they tried to open up. They, they found the brick wall of people like Peter Steph Tutoy yeah. and what have you standing in front of them. So um, uh, you're right, but I, I think it was more about the the, uh, the set piece. Just They just couldn't rely on their set piece anymore and, uh, and it just agree, completely threw them on the That's what I'm day. saying is everyone can have a you know, set piece or try and be physical and sit down in South Africa. So you've got to be able to play a different way. And, we, and hopefully now, you asked me about Steve Gorfrey, I'm hoping we're going to be able to play a different way because... We can bully most teams, but we can't bully South Africa. We probably, we should, mm. I don't know whether we can bully France, probably 50-50, maybe not, but we have to be able to play another way. And that's why when New Zealand plays South Africa, you can play a different way. They're the team that can really, really take it to them because they play that quick, fast tempo, rugby, hands. You know, they just, what Ireland's trying to do, you know, New Zealand have been doing that for years. You know, we have forwards you can handle, metallic and props and... Mm. And, and that that's what I hope for me because if we if you try and play set piece physical against South Africa you're going to lose. 
You are the other thing that they executed and continue to do. This brings us full circle. Is that that game <laughs> in that final? You know, they they got it. They got it absolutely spot on, didn't they? And targeted the England back three and and nailed it. Um, which is something that the Welsh did not do <laughs> yesterday. But that brings us to a conclusion for uh, for this week. Oh, I do have to quickly say as well the uh, the Guinness pint predictor, which I completely forgot to um, uh, to to do myself this week. Um, probably in amongst all the, uh, the the Welsh politics nonsense going on. Um, my mate Emlyn has ended up topping that, which is absolutely insane. I'm uh, so I'm, I'm pleased. I might have had a couple of a couple of good points out of that. Um, but yeah, I'm sure the fact that I didn't predict uh, and it set mine to default was probably meant that uh, that I did better than I would have done anyway. So uh, yeah, uh, if yeah if you want to join that for the remaining uh, for the remaining couple of weeks, you can still do so by downloading the Fanzo app and also. Um, uh, God, am I rock bottom now? I think I might be. Uh, I need a I need a tutorial on that thing because I don't know how to redeem a pint on it. I, I just uh, I can set my pr- predictions and that and, and I can do the quiz, but the quiz never gets recorded in my history on there. We'll, uh, and I, and, we'll, and sort, I can't, we'll sort it out. We'll sort it out uh, off there, yeah. I don't want you. I don't want you missing out on the pints. There's no doubt the people, the programmers, fans who are listening right now, so they can send me info on. I I. I yeah, I don't know. I can't even find the place where I'm supposed to put in a code or anything. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what yeah, I'm doing. We'll, we'll get we'll get you the technical support. I don't. Want I'm, I'm of an age now, though, so you know, I, my my daughter will be helping me use a TV remote soon. So uh. <laughs> if it wasn't for all that rugby you're watching on there, you don't. Yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd yeah. Need help with that. Um, yeah. But yes, a, a thank you to Charlie for joining us and for stepping into the uh, to the ever elusive shoes of Dan Killick. <laughs> and uh, yeah, great, great to have you on the show. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, as always, at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some good quality coffee, you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Thank you to Murph. Thank you to everyone who's listening. And we'll be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Podcast Network.